Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to season two of The Next Brave Thing, episode one. I have my good friend, Matthew Blade here. Hello, hello. So um, Matthew is um, a, was an acting student at Bethel Conservatory of the Arts, and that's how we met. Um, but currently, I'm in Australia. And where are you right now, Matthew? I'm currently in Mississippi. Mississippi. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to have you on here because something exciting is about to happen in your career. Um, And that is Mm -hmm. the movie, The Walk, uh, is premiering on uh, June 9th. And yeah, that's really exciting. So you're going to be walking a red carpet. Is that correct? Oh my gosh. Yes. That's uh, scary to think about, but yes, I I will be on this Mississippi boy will be on the red carpet. Yeah. (laughs) Could you have imagined, so I think I met you, um, was it like four years, maybe four or five years ago, I think? Yeah, 2018, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. And could you have imagined that this would be your life going on the carpet? (laughs) You know, not not at all. Even as an acting student, actor, you kind of always, I don't know if this is just me, but you kind of never really think you'll ever work or... Yeah. I don't know. That's like kind of like an underlying, maybe that's just me, but there's an underlying belief of like, yeah, just I'm doing this, but probably won't. Yeah. Happen. Yeah. So we're going to jump into like how we met and then um, your process on becoming an actor and a work, working actor. But I'd love you to share like, what's the movie, The Walk about? I know that one of my favorite actors, Jeremy Piven plays your dad, doesn't he? <laughs> He does. Yeah. 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 I'm a huge mm-hmm. Jeremy Piven fan. <laughs> so. Really? Is that uh, from Entourage? Entourage. And have you seen the movie Serendipity? It's a I chick flick. I actually think you would like it, Matt. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll write that one down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, he's just a very witty, clever actor. I really enjoy watching mm-hmm. him, but yeah. Tell us a bit about like, describe the movie, what it's about um, and what your role is. Yeah. So it's a, uh... It, essentially, it's based on true events. There was these riots in Boston in 1974 that happened when they tried to integrate the school system. Mm. They were busing kind of the white neighborhoods and the black neighborhoods into different schools. And there were all these riots that broke out. And there was this, this story covers, um, it, it, it kind of follows around one guy's life, a police officer who was born in Boston. He's a white guy, Irish background, who has his ties in kind of the white Boston community, mm-hmm. but he, his job is charged to protect um, this, these buses that are going into the new school system. And he's in charge of protecting one of these all black buses that are, that are coming into, into the school. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of followed his journey, his journey in the kind of attention between him and his roots versus him and what he knows what is right. And so it's actually a beautiful, a beautiful story. My role, I play, the <laughs> I'm like South Boston, super racist, super really tough upbringing, very violent mm. individual. And I essentially I kind of like where I tie into that guy, the main the main character, if you will, is I date his daughter. So I'm kind of his daughter's bad influence, if you will. And she so okay. that's another thing that weighs on him is he has to he's got these roots with the white Boston community, he has to follow or he has to protect these, the buses that are integrating the schools and his daughter is being influenced by this really kind of violent, corrupt individual. 
which I play. Wow. So, yeah, um, that's, that's amazing. So you yeah. play a 15 year old by memory, right? Uh, eight, uh, 18 year old, 17 year old, 17, 18. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was that like playing a teenager? Uh, <laughs> it was weird to think back on, on what it was like to be a teenager. Mm, was, um, I don't want to give it away. I had to shave a lot. <laughs> you had, <laughs> I had to, to shave, shave a lot. Literally, yeah. yeah, I had to shave like right before I would go on. I would literally like, I had I figured out a whole process because I'm, I have decent facial hair. And so yeah. I would like heat my face up, like get like a really hot shower, shave down, mm-hmm. then wash my face, heat my face up again, and then shave against the grain, which wow. is horrible. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so glad yeah. that's over. Yeah. Um, so tell, tell us a bit about, um, your process of getting the role because, um, it's such a roller coaster ride and you, I think you were in your final year of BCA when this all happened, right? Was this Correct. kind of, yeah. 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 I was a senior, was yeah. a senior at BCA. Yeah. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about getting that role and what that looks like for you. Yeah, so I, essentially, my in my senior year, I I met Iona McLean. She's mm-hmm. my manager, mm-hmm. and um, she brought me on with her agency. And so she started sending me auditions when I was when I was in my senior year, which was side note terrifying. I was like, you know, you just I'd never done an audition like for like a real thing. And just to and jump in, every everyone who's listening to sign in your senior year of college is like a huge deal. So, and Iona, she's actually going to be on the podcast, so you guys get to great. meet her. But yeah, yeah, she's a she so she is a boss of a woman. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to jump in and say that that's a big deal. So you're going to mm-hmm. auditions, um, which yeah, how many auditions were you doing a day? Um, you know, it was, it was funny when I first signed on with her, I, I mean, it was kind of sporadic, like, you know, there would be times when I'd have two a week, mm-hmm. none the next week and then three the next week and then not none for two weeks. So it just yeah. kind of de- depended on the, you know, just kind of what came in. And, yeah. but for this one, I think I was, I, I auditioned like right after we graduated or maybe like right when we graduated and I ended up getting a call back the next week and, I was told I had the job after the callback, but you know, there, there's all this, this there's kind of like some funny water there. And I learned a lot of lessons because I was told that I had, I had booked the job. Mm-hmm. And then I tell like all my family and friends, I'm like, yeah, like I'm in a movie, you know, just like that mm-hmm. like crazy excitement mm-hmm. that you're like, what the heck in the world is happening? And then there was, they had cast a, the, the girl they had cast to play my girlfriend in the film she was, she was not an, uh, she was not an American. She was international and she yes. couldn't get into the U S because of some visa issues. Mm-hmm. And so I get a call like a couple of days later and for my manager, she's like, Hey, they're dropping you because they don't like the way you look with the new actress. <gasps> and so I was like, this is, I was like, what? And then she called me the next day and it was like, Hey, they're, you're, you're not out of the mix yet. They're still, they got some other girls they're looking at. And so it was just this roller coaster ride. And mm. it got to the point where I finished up one week. I had like a bunch of auditions and I still hadn't heard back from the film. And I, my manager, Iona called me and she was like, just go take the weekend off. And so I literally just drove to Utah. I was living in LA. I drove to Utah and 
camped out for a weekend and on the way back in stuck in traffic is when I got the call that, Hey, we're going with you. But I still, it was like, I still held it very loosely and yeah. I learned a lot of lessons, like nothing's for sure in life, yeah. especially in Hollywood until you sign the dotted line. Yes. But, <laughs> but here you are now and um being on set um what was it like I mean you're in I'm guessing you're I haven't seen the movie yet obviously but um yeah you know you're acting opposite these heavyweight people like mm-hmm. uh that have celebrity status like what was what was it like terrifying it was, it was absolutely terrifying I was like oh my gosh I'll never forget the first time we were doing like a little rehearsal mm-hmm. and uh, I thought it was just going to be like me and my scene partner we had like a little like it's kind of like an argument scene and uh it was the rehearsal for like the whole cast and I didn't know that and so I'm sitting in this hotel lobby or this hotel like kind of like room and in walks Terrence Howard Jeremy Piven yeah. Like all these Pete, Justin Chatwin, all these people that I recognize and I'm like, Matthew, okay. Like, <laughs> you know, there's an old saying, it's like, you know, if you uh, just act like you've scored a touchdown before, when, when, when you get in the room with like, you know, championship quarterbacks, just act like you've been in the end zone. And yes. so I was like, Matthew, just chill. And I, it was actually, I'm really glad that I got to see them before we went on set because mm. it, I was able to kind of let those like, holy smokes like you there's no way to really prep for that I don't feel I was like how do I how could I have even been ready for that I'm glad I got to get kind of let those emotions run their course before I'm sitting across from them and a camera's rolling which that was still was terrifying and I still had a ton of nerves that I was working through Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it was wild it was wild (laughs) it's so interesting because you and I both know they're just humans like but but it's something that they carry, like it's an authority that they carry. Like, what it is that do you think it is? What do you think it is that we get intimidated by people like that? Or, hmm. you know, because it's sometimes like you can be, because I know you, you're a very confident, comfortable in your own skin kind of guy. But yeah. what do you think triggers that thing? What What is the trigger, do you think? That's a, that's a big question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gosh, you know, I think I've, that's, I'm still exploring that question. Like Mm. I was in class, acting class last night and I was about to like, you know, perform Mm -hmm. and my heart rate started going up. And I was like, Mm. I had this moment of honesty where I was like, I'm scared. I'm scared. And I'm about to, this is like, this is for no one. Like, this is not like going to, this is just me and this person. We're both trying to get better. Like everyone in this classroom is wanting to support me and they want me to grow and they're all amazing. Mm. Why am I scared? Yeah. I was like, is this, and I, and I, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a big question, but I'll just leave it with like, I think our bodies respond to like when we feel there's a threat. Yeah. Something happens. And so it's like kind of investigating, like, why is this thing a threat? Why is this human being who just happens to be known a threat to me? What, What could they expose, you know? So, yeah it's, it's, it's so vulnerable question. isn't it and I that's I mm-hmm. mean that's why acting is no joke like even mm-hmm. you know I have done tons of like you done lots of counseling yeah. and all of those things and then you all of a sudden you feel out of control and your body's reacting in a way that is like oh my gosh I should really be in control right now and it's like yep. you can only have compassion for yourself because 
and tell you this is part of being brave. It's part of showing up and getting yourself in the arena is these moments Mm -hmm. that do feel out of control. Um, So, yeah, I love that. But I, um, yeah, so I, yeah, encourage everyone who's listening to go check out in main theaters uh, (laughs) June 10th, go see The Walk with Matthew Blade. Um, but I want to like reverse because I, I love that we jumped into, um, you know, your booking job experience because you've done a lot of auditions. But let's rewind yeah. a little bit um, where yeah. like what made you decide to get into acting? Because tell me a little bit before you mm. even came to BCA, what was life like for you? Um, you know, I, I grew up in the southeast where there was a pretty you know, common route for a lot of the, the, the people that I rub shoulders with down here. And there weren't a lot of options that were just readily like that I could see. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I, it took me a while to kind of accept this, but I knew there was something, you know, a little, I I didn't want to go that path. Yeah. And it took me kind of moving out to California before I was at BCA. I was actually a whitewater raft guide for a company called JH Ranch. Mm-hmm. And um, it was out there that I kind of realized, I guess, in my process was that I had a lot of plan B's in life, you know. Um, and by that, I guess what I mean is that I had a lot of, well, if this thing doesn't work out, then I could always fall back on this. Yeah. And es- essentially what it was at its root was compromise and fear. It was, I'm afraid to put myself out there. I'm afraid to try. Like literally that that word this past couple months has been just like on my mind. Like, what does it mean to try? And not just like the effort, but like to really try to where you might actually lose. Like to to try at at something that there's no guarantee at all. That's Mm -hmm. terrifying. And um, I think I had realized when I was working out there as a whitewater raft guide and, you know, it's up in the mountains, pretty isolated, 45 minutes from a grocery store. I had a lot of alone time. And I I realized is in a way I kind of saw it through a metaphor because I was guiding whitewater rapids every day. Mm -hmm. And I had this picture in my mind of like, I've never jumped in the river metaphorically of my life. If Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Like I've always stood on the bank and watched other people try and if they mm-hmm. failed, I had, I had something to say like, well, they probably didn't do this. Right. Yeah. And if I, but I had never gotten in there and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and tried. And so mm-hmm. I, I think that's essentially what my life was before BCA acting school at BCA was me saying, I'm going to try and I'm not going to have a backup plan as terrifying as that is. And I, yeah. I, 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 it's not like kind of this abandonment mentality. Mm-hmm. It's more like, look, I've got one life. Yeah. I'm not like, I'm taking a very, I'm taking a calculated risk, mm-hmm. but it's risk. There's no guarantee in this at all. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to have something, you know, that I can fall back on like immediately because I think there was even a study that showed that um, it was like you, you give one test group an assignment and you give another test group the same exact assignment, but the second test group, you give them an option B, if you can't complete this one assignment, you can try the second assignment, Mm -hmm. but both first assignments are the same. If that makes sense. Yeah. The group that had the option B was 
a good bit percentage less likely to complete the first option. So I, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't know if I'm butchering that statistic, yeah. but essentially what it, what I got from that was like with the option of plan B plan A is actually a lot more likely to fail than it is. If there's like, Hey, plan A is the plan. Mm-hmm. I don't know how plan A is going to work. Plan A is the plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I think contextualizing yeah. everything too and realizing that, Hey, we've yeah. only got one life on this, yeah. on this rock here on, mm-hmm. on earth. Like mm-hmm. we might as well try at something that, that we, that is fun and exciting and adventurous because the reality is we can actually fail at stuff that isn't. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the scary truth is that mm-hmm. even if we play the safe card, that, that actually is not a guarantee either. Nothing is a real yeah. guarantee. Safety in a sense is kind of an illusion mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's really awesome. I love how you put that. Um, what was, what were the expectations that you felt were on your life? Like, cause I know a huge prison for a lot of us and a lot of, yeah, a lot of the reason why we play it safe and don't jump in the river, like you mentioned was, mm-hmm. is because of expectations. And sometimes they're, yeah. yeah, like made up stories like that our brain makes up, but what were some expectations that you felt like being a guy from the South? What, what were those expectations? Mm. I think I'm definitely still unpacking those because I, you know, it's funny you, we think we have these external expectations on us, but a lot of times they're like very inward and they're stuff that we're like self-judgment type stuff. But I mean, I think from the, you know, the, the, the the kind of the thing that people do down here is, you know, you, you go to a four-year college, you get married right out of college, you have a kid and you just kind of like do the thing. And there's actually nothing wrong with that. Right. There's nothing really. Mm-hmm. wrong about that i um i think that's a beautiful thing i think for me personally though for me to do that i knew that i would be compromising there was a voice inside me that was too loud and, mm-hmm. and knew that that wasn't that that wasn't my path mm. and so uh and i fought with that so long and it's, it's so funny because <laughs> i look at my life my my past and i'm like you know you have a voice telling you to do something else when there's like little things that sneak out, what it yeah. was for me was like, I, <laughs> I laugh when I look back when I was going through this process of like getting rid of plan B's, I was like, okay, trying to get rid of fear in my life. Cause I realized mm-hmm. when I, I had plan B's and I had fear and I was like, what is the, what scares me the most in life? Mm. And I was like, you know what? I don't know how I came up with this being in the Southeast around like these very traditional masculine Mm -hmm. guys with a nose ring in my nose Mm -hmm. terrifies me. Mm -hmm. So you know what I did? I went and got a nose ring and I went Uh home for Christmas and I was around all these guys and, and girls who I got some weird looks and you know what? Not a lot of people understood that and Uh I still don't understand it, but I do know that I had to do it because I realized I was like, Mm -hmm. I need I do so many things in my life because if I care about what other people think or I should or shouldn't do this, these expectations Mm -hmm. guys in the South don't get nose rings. Yeah. That's that was, that was in my head somewhere. Like gentlemen in the South do not have hoop nose rings. It's (laughs) like, you know what? Screw that. (laughs) I'm not doing that, 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 but Mm -hmm. and I look at that and I'm like, Oh, that was just the voice in me. Yes. It was telling me like, 
if I'm compromised over here, it'll sneak, this freedom thing will sneak out. It'll just yeah. like kind of like comes out. And I think we can look at our lives in a lot of different ways. And like, if there's this little thing over here that kind of seems rebellious, it's yeah. like, is that really rebellion or is it just like the freedom that you've so long yeah. sneaking out in a different route because yeah. you clogged up the main route? Yeah. I don't know yeah, if that yeah. makes sense at all. No, but. it's amazing. I love, I love all of this because I think by you sharing your story, people can kind of sift through and go, what is my nose ring thing? Because it's more than, it's <laughs> right. more than just a nose ring. It's actually about you trying 100%. to be authentic. It's not, mm-hmm. and you tr- letting yourself discover. And it's like, you don't yeah. have a nose ring now, but it's like, right. and, but even if you did like, great, it's more you right. trying to connect with authenticity, mm-hmm. which is so 100%. awesome, which kind yeah. of leads me into like, so how everyone, so how I met Matthew is someone actually slid in my DMs, not Matthew, but someone slid into my DMs and said, Hey, this guy is auditioning for your school called Matthew and he's stupid, good looking. And so I was like, great, send me the audition tape. Send me the audition tape. And then oh my <laughs> I'm not going to expose who it was. But um, so basically, and then, you know, your audition comes in. And I think it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was your first ever audition, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, first I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had never auditioned. Well, I had yeah. auditioned for one thing right before that, but that was my first time. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was cool because that's when I first met you and you did have a nose ring. And I remember kind of you sharing, yeah, I'm just, I feel like I'm meant to be, you know, go on this adventure and be brave and do this. And um, uh-huh. but I remember watching your audition and it was clear like, oh, you haven't done acting training, which is why you come to our school. <laughs> exactly. But, it, but the thing that I remember saying to Fab was he has such a great voice. Like when mm-hmm. you, because I think you were doing some Shakespeare monologue or something. And I remember thinking like, that is a great voice. And which is really, really cool because I think, because I've seen so many auditions. So I, I you can you can feel someone that there's some sort of, I don't know, it factor or sparkle within them. And I think what stuck out most to me when I, when I saw your audition was your voice. So, Mm. and then I find out later that you actually had a stutter. So tell us about like, yeah, going from, cause this is like an interesting thing when you say that fear was holding you back, it felt like, you know, even like having a stutter, like, may have been something that could hold you back from being an actor which is heavily involved in communicating so yeah tell us a bit about that story and what it means to find your voice as an artist geez that's like something I'm still I'm still learning and unpacking that and yeah even what it means to have like to have a voice um but yeah I mean I, I I grew up and I, I had this like, you know, I, I guess I call it a speech impediment. It was just this thing that would happen when I got really nervous, I would stutter and I have a couple memories and traumatic moments of me trying to speak publicly and just like, kind of just like locking up and not being able to get out of a word and just this humiliation that would follow. Yeah. And um, I remember I, it got really bad when I 
was about nine, 17, 18, 19, around there, it started to kind of snowball, which makes sense. You know, you're not, you're like becoming, it's, it's a kind of a very crucial stage in a, mm-hmm. in a young man's life. It's like, okay, who am I? So that was yeah. the question I was asking was who am I? And I mm. didn't feel adequate to communicate. Mm. And um, <clears throat> I mean, this, this, the story is it, it completely changed my life. It, you know, it kind of marks who I am as a person today, but I was, I was at this, this event and this, this lady walked up to me. It was a, it was a Christian mm-hmm. worship event. And this lady walks up to me, not knowing who I am. And she puts her hand on my shoulder and says, the stammering tongue shall be made fluent in the name of Jesus. Wow. And she just said that like three times. And then she was like, you're on a path where no stammer or stutter can keep you from. And she walked away and I started laughing. Cause I was like, how does she know that? That's so crazy. And I was just like, that's, that's wacky. Like I, this was like a very personal private fear. And I had all these things of like, I, I guess I need to be like scientifically healed. Like I need to check the neurons in my brain to figure out what's not firing and what's blocking this mm-hmm. last thing that helps me articulate well. Yeah. Yeah. And then the weight of what she said really hit me. And I just slid down the wall, just shot in my eyes out Yeah. of going, wow, like this thing there's this, there's like, I just feel seen first off. And then after that, I went up and I spoke on the microphone and I was just kind of told the story to the people there. I was like, Hey, like this just happened. And I have this Mm. fear and, and I, you know, and that kind of like kickstarted me on this journey of going, okay, I have this thing in my life, this fear of speaking. There's, there's some evidence there of a stutter and I'm terrified of it. And my body responds really negatively. What can I do? I, and so I started every job I've had essentially since, since then I made sure I had to communicate. I was a, mm-hmm. I used to be a, I used to do CrossFit and I, was, I got my level one and was a CrossFit instructor and taught yeah. class to where I had to talk the whole time as a whitewater raft guide. I, the whole time I'm, yeah. I'm guiding the boat and I'm also talking to the guests that were on my boat. And so I tried to make sure everything I did, I had to speak in it. And it just seems ironic to me. I'm like, of course, the guy who had the speech issues is now, and it just, this is kind of ironic thing to me, mm-hmm. but if, if anything now, you know, and I, I always had this, I would have this sneaking fear always come back that the stammer would come back and I wouldn't be able to communicate, but it honestly quit forever mm-hmm. when I had this thought pass through my head. It was great because I felt this fear and what it, what it felt like was this dread, this like terror of like humiliation. I'll be exposed and people will like be like, Oh, it's so awkward. You know? Cause that, that was kind of the humiliation of like, you just felt like a less inadequate human. People like are so, yes. feel so sorry for you. Like, Oh, they want you to get the word out and you just, you feel pathetic. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thought came of like, Oh, maybe I'll stutter again in this next moment. And I said, like this thing inside me was like, you know what, even if I do, I'm still going to keep talking. Mm. And it never came back. It was like this, this commitment in me that went, I'm, you don't get the last say anymore. Yeah. Yeah. This, this fear, fear actually is not, mm-hmm. doesn't call the shots anymore. I yeah. call the shots. Yeah. And on my life at the very least, you know, it's like, yeah. that's not the only thing we have responsibility over is like, yeah, this inner world and our, in our mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. but the only thing we have control over so yeah yeah, that, yeah. that's kind of a that's a very 
paintbrush, like yes. brushstroke story. Mm-hmm. Very, it was very personal to me, yeah. but yeah, thankfully well, I don't deal with that anymore. Yeah. That's so powerful and encouraging to hear. Like, I think that anytime we're doing something brave or about to step in the arena, it's like the voice of shame is always like pulling us back into the comfort zone. And humiliation mm-hmm. is such a part of shame. And 100%. yeah, I love that even it's like this internal voice and a trust muscle that you've built with yourself where when I choose to not compromise, the payoff is this. And it it's like, I'm curious to know, like, because you've built such a strong voice. And I remember even having class time with you or cause I taught you wholehearted artist. Um, yeah. <laughs> so well, having great class, class, fantastic class. Thanks friend. Thanks. But <laughs> like, um, I just remember you having some key moments, even in school where you're like, actually I'm standing up for this. I'm having a voice in this. I'm not going to be passive. I'm not going to do that. And, you know, there's payoff on the other side of that, which I've loved Mm -hmm. watching that in you as it's literally beautiful to watch someone develop their voice and their yes. And Mm -hmm. their no, and what's compromised for them. Like having, it's like, you have such a, tuned in barometer I think the word is of like this is a yes for Matthew this is a no like so I guess like for you um what has fear looked like for you you've kind of Mm. unpacked it a bit a bit but I think just so the audience can understand what fear looks like because it's so interesting um because you know we come from a community where we're pretty self-aware and if I like a lot of the time we have these protectors and we're like, if someone said, Oh, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm not scared. Like, you know, like, well, I'm not fearful. Like it's such a self-protective reflex of like, well, I'm not scared. Like it's something shameful to be scared. It's very human to be scared. (laughs) So like as a man, like what does fear look like for you? And because I think there's also this thing of like fear is weakness or fear is you're just a really insecure person or like whatever. So I'd love you to explain like what that's looked like. It's mm. a really good question. And I feel it, fear is really sneaky. You know, it can mm-hmm. half the time I've found that I don't even know when fear is kind of controlling piloting yeah. the ship. Yeah. And I think for me, it has a lot to do with control. Mm. Whenever I am not accepting something or if, if I'm trying to control something that I actually cannot control. Yeah. That's a good sign that fear is, fear is, is, is in charge and, and, and driving a car. Mm. And for me personally, fear looks like a, it looked like, and still looks a lot about a lot like what other people think, what can yeah. I do to mask truth mm. That, that, that's been something that has been in, on my mind a lot lately is just the, mm-hmm. the word truth and the word fear. Yeah. Fear is like terrified of truth of mm-hmm. like, what is real? What is like honest, mm-hmm. you know? And there was like a couple of years ago, I was around a lot of people who there was all these like political things happening and there was three or four voices and everyone was like, I just, everyone was so hyped up. 
yeah. on a certain political issue. I'm not going to go into the specifics of that because it's just irrelevant uh, to, to this certain story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember I was like listening to a lot of this one group and I was like, yeah, I actually agree with that. Like, that's actually legit. Um, this is not cool. And I had this moment where I was like, I forgot I think I was alone. And I, cause I was so, this stuff was bothering me. I was watching YouTube videos, you know, and like, there's something mm-hmm. it's like kind of agitating and you're, you're like researching it to like defend yourself, you know? And I, this is why my points, right. Here's this study. And this is, see, look at this, what this person said, look what this person, look at, look at this. And I actually had this moment where I felt something in me say, yeah, that's factual, but you're scared. Yeah. And it hit me so hard because I was like, I can have all the facts in the world to support what I believe, but the truth is that I'm scared. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm just gathering up armor to protect mm-hmm. me because I'm scared. Yeah. And so when I look at fear, I'm like, ah, oh, it looks a lot like self-protection. Yes. It looks a lot like life is a threat. And I think there's some merit in that. Life is not... <laughs> Life is not not a threat. It's it's kind of yeah. a threatening place out here, you know. Yeah. Everyone's vying for themselves, and yeah, you know, there's no one's going to give you anything. Mm-hmm. But I think it's no way to live to let that, yeah, run the show. Like, yeah, the only way to live and thrive with fulfillment and meaning is to is mm-hmm. to like abandon fear. Yeah, I think it makes our one life we have here worth living. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, so I don't, I think I, I feel like answer. I don't know if I like, yeah, no, it's true. great. I mean, I, I love that you use the word threat because even in my own life, that's how I've been able to connect. Am I making a decision from wholeness and love and authenticity, or am I making mm-hmm. a decision from the voice of accusation or the voice of threat? And I think that you're really just because you're like probably one of the most emotionally intelligent guys I know. Um, I love that. <laughs> you're up there. Um, but you you have this beautiful way of sifting through like what are the voices in my internal world? And mm-hmm. like where am I partnering with the voice of accusation because I'm trying to protect an image? And yep. um, like you said, control. It's like I need to control everyone's narrative about me so that mm-hmm. I can be okay. So I can be safe. Yeah. So how do you learn? To be- yeah. And I think, I think you get this language, like, how do you like love yourself? How do you, how do you keep yourself safe? Like, how do you kind of mm-hmm. take that narrative of what people think and like um, really connect to a true narrative? How do you find that true narrative about who you are? especially when you're playing multiple mm-hmm. actor like roles as well. <laughs> it's such a right. thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I think whew, that's, that's a good question. Um, can you repeat the question again? Well, even when I think of the nose ring situation, there was mm-hmm. something in you that is like, I have to find who Matthew is. Yeah. And I have to let, like, even, you know, you know about self-compassion, like connecting uh-huh. to yourself. Like, what does that yeah. mean to you to like yeah. trust yourself, know yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I think I know acting. It's so funny. 
has helped me so much with this. Yeah. A lot of people think acting is actually lying. You're just pretending. Right. But the true art of acting is you find the truth mm-hmm. in you and you hunt through yourself for truth. And for when you're, you know, like uh, my acting coach calls it the bullshit meter. When you're like, what I just said right there, I totally faked that. It was bullshit. Yeah. It's, my, it's called your bullshit meter. And so mm-hmm. I was doing this in my acting craft and I was like, huh, this thing kind of works in real life. You know, like mm. I, can, I can find out when I say something to someone and I'm like, whoa, I don't believe that. Yeah. I'm actually just spouting off what someone else said to me or what I think is true or, or what I think will keep me safe. Um, so the process of acting allowed me to look at these characters, which are very nuanced and very, they're good and bad. And like, like we all are, we all have a little like, there's no, like, we're not just one thing or the other. We're, we're in us exist multitudes. I forgot that who said that quote, but like, in mm. us is multitudes. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's this thing of realizing that we're all human mm-hmm. and like, and I, I don't, I don't really know how to do it per se. It's kind of something that comes with just going, I'm going to sit down and let myself talk. Mm. And what, that, what I mean by that is to get quiet and let the, that voice inside us that's always telling us the truth yeah. speak. Yes. And it'll always lead us in the right direction. And in that, mm-hmm. in that action of letting whatever is true in you, mm-hmm. like, and that's an interesting thing to say, but whatever is true in you come out when you yeah. take the time to get still. Yeah. And I, I do it every morning. I, I literally take about an hour every morning. And I, it's, it's like law to me. I do it no matter what. Mm-hmm. I put on a little instrumental music and I sit down. Mm-hmm. And what's true, it's funny. Because like you wake up and like what you watched on YouTube before you went to bed is up there. And the ice cream you ate right before you went to bed is like on your mind. Mm-hmm. What you dream mm-hmm. about. When you get quiet, the real truth comes out. Mm. Oh, wow. I feel, I feel so out of control. Or it could be positive. I feel so excited about this. And I feel like I shouldn't be excited about this one. Actually, this is amazing. Yeah. Who knows what that voice will say. But in the act of doing that, Mm. in the act of taking the time, you're actually telling yourself Mm. that you're worth listening to, Mm -hmm. that your voice is important. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I realized I said a lot of stuff, but none of it, I wasn't really saying it. this This is a whole thing I've been on about what it means to want something mm-hmm. how wanting something is so human and we can't really control it we just kind of want things mm-hmm. um I don't want to go into that because that's a whole nother like so <laughs> rabbit good. trail but well, um, it's vulnerable to want something because desire something it's so vulnerable like yeah but I think what you're saying of like, get honest with yourself because then it brings up a question of worth. Do I feel like I'm deserving of that? Can Mm -hmm. I get that? Will I love myself enough to go after that? You know, 100% of what, you know, it's, it's so, it's so funny too. Our actions, our actions by our actions, we're telling, we're giving ourselves love. We're telling ourselves, are telling ourselves that we're not worthy of love. We're communicating yeah. 
shame or self-love to ourselves every time we do something. And that's Mm -hmm. actually through the being on set at this last movie, there was this one scene that I couldn't really connect to. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Mm. Like all the other ones I felt connected to. And I was like, this one, I just didn't feel, uh, feel connected to. And I realized there was something in my life that I needed to accept Mm. in my actual personal life. Mm -hmm. And on that, it led me down this journey of what is, what it means to hide and to, with, to like lie to someone or to like hide who we are in shame it actually confess, it actually, we tell ourselves something whenever we withhold truth or whenever, whenever we lie or whenever we yeah. pretend or put up a facade, we actually tell ourselves that we are alone. Mm. It was this crazy thing that I was like, I've been telling myself through what I do that I'm alone my whole mm. life. Yeah. Every action I've done has been a facade, which mm. has been communicating to that true voice in me. Yeah. That I'm alone. There's no one here that can help me. There's no one here that understands me, that's for me, that cares about me, that loves me. Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't matter who in my life would tell me they loved me because mm-hmm. I, by my action, was telling myself that I yeah. was alone. That's, yeah. I don't know if that made sense. No, that's like- it's, it's so good because that's, that's self-abandonment that you're just talking about is mm-hmm. where am I? And this is like how because I'm a life coach, I work with clients that, you know, are breaking addiction in their life or like Mm -hmm. getting out of destructive cycles and really normal in the process of getting healed and whole to backslide, you know, not that you want to do that, but like, you feel like I'm doing so good. And then you backslide. And then there's that tendency to like, want to hide that. And Mm -hmm like you said, like what you're communicating is like, oh, you're a worthless piece of shit. You backslid, you're, you're a faker rather than mm-hmm. having a compassion voice of like, you know what you messed up, but you're still worthy of love. And you, we can expose this and be authentic and truthful. And, yeah. you know, like even there's a story, Dex Shepard, I don't know, you know, the actor, he has a great podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah one of my favorite podcasts, but he had like, he was so many years sober and then he had, then he backslid and was very Mm. public about it. And there was something so powerful in it that it became Mm. like, yeah, Dax, you're still lovable, you know, (laughs) like even, Mm. yeah. Cause I think, I think what you're saying, and this is, I think what I think is so beautiful and that you carry is this radical honesty whether it's mm-hmm. with yourself or you, you know what, I'm going to show up and you talking about writing, which I love. I'm just going to pull up. You have an Instagram called outlaw <laughs> poetry. I want to kind of bring one up. <laughs> it's relevant. Okay. Um, but tell me what made you start um, outlaw po- poetry, Instagram account. That one was honestly the stuff that the questions you've been asking me, the journey that I was going on, that's, one of the reasons I, I made outlaw poetry public because I found about four or five years ago that writing was such a great, I, I found so much release and mm-hmm. just able, I was able to express, you know, when, yeah. when you live your whole life, not knowing how to be honest, yeah. I feel like writing is a great way, poetry, yeah. whatever to express, because there's no audience. You don't, there's no pressure to be a product. 
you can yeah. just write. And there's, I would write on the notes on my phone and I started writing mm-hmm. poems. At first it was just kind of like rough writing. Then it became poetry. And mm-hmm. so I was like, you know what? I'll just have a place where I can, it'll be my own canvas that no one can see. And mm-hmm. so I created this private, <laughs> this private poetry account. And I actually started feeling as I, when I moved to LA about a year and a half ago, I was like, actually the reason that I'm keeping this private is it's like, I'm, I'm actually ready to make it public. Mm-hmm. I'm not, because it's very vulnerable. It's like super, like outlaw poetry is the real me. I mean, I'll just like, that's like, that's like what I think about, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, actually, I, in my life as an actor, I want to make the decision to not live a hidden life. Yeah. No matter what that, where that brings me, if that brings me to, you know, laws, or if that leads me to being, you know, thought of as the scum of the earth. Mm. Like I actually want, I want to be open. I, I don't want to hide anything. I've lived with skeletons in my closet. It's miserable. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely so miserable. miserable. Yeah. It's like the worst yeah. feeling because you can yeah. never receive anything from anyone because you always think, well, they, they don't know about that thing. So they'll, mm-hmm. they don't mean it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I created Outlaw Poetry. And I just like black and white photos. It's so beautiful. I like the word outlaw. (laughs) Yes, it so fits Um, you. That's what's so cool. Like it's so Matthew. I'm gonna I'm gonna read one. Oh gosh. Like and (laughs) yeah, but but I I don't know which one you're gonna read. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so yeah, I'll just read it (laughs) because it really jumped out to me, and I was like, and I feel like it fits the theme. Um, of what we're talking about so I love how you have like you've kind of labeled different things like silence listen allow so I'm going to hit on listen because this is powerful so you just have the title is listen and all you say and it's so striking so you say listen binge drinking tinder swiping line snorting food craving porn watching your spot, your soul is speaking. Listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Powerful because it's not judgy. Mm-hmm. It's saying like something's trying to tell you something. So what do you mean by your soul is speaking? Yeah. That one, uh, that was like my, you know, my, my journey was, my soul and heart was trying to get my attention so much and it gets our attention through things that we kind of like try to sweep under the rug, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, avoidance. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. I, I realized those behaviors, mm. the ones listed in this, uh, in this poem, you know, put any behavior there. Yeah. Um, it's your soul communicating to you. I, I believe any of these behaviors that we view as maybe that's not healthy. Like I would say, some people might say those behaviors are healthy. I personally don't think they're healthy. I don't think any of those. And I, I noticed some, some of feel those. Good. It doesn't make you feel good after you do any of those. You, yeah. <laughs> you feel like trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah. I, I realized those were messages yeah. from my heart tr- saying, 
Matt, we, we want to heal our, my, like we, I want you to be healed. Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Will you listen mm. and listening requires really listening. It can't be a theory in your head. It can't be like an idea. This is what, how it's going to go. You have to, yeah. you have to listen. Mm. And, um, yeah. it might cost you something. Yeah. It's not free it, it, because it's, it's going to, what I realize is it'll, it'll, it'll cost you an idea of who you, mm-hmm. think you are um, mm-hmm. to, to, to listen to, to, to the truth because it's going to be true. Yeah. And a lot of times we put our identity in all these little things mm-hmm. and when you listen, those kind of fall away because don't, yeah. what's left is what's really there. Yeah. And, um, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like those are, like these any we numb in different ways and those you listed through a few of them but it's like it mm-hmm. could be workaholic it could be people please exactly. your addiction of choice like addiction doesn't look just like you know drinking it's it's any time we are trying to escape the truth which is what you're talking about it's mm-hmm. like why am i like getting quiet enough to get honest and to listen and what your heart is really crying out for. It's like a little kid that just wants compassion, that just wants to be heard. It's like Mm -hmm. we're waiting. Sometimes we're waiting for other people to hear us when we just need to listen to ourselves Mm -hmm. without judgment and we be a kind friend to ourselves. So I love that. It's so powerful. Um. Yeah, maybe more of a vulnerable one for you. <laughs> no, I mean they're all they're all like those all came from a real place, you know. I didn't yeah. just write a poem to write a poem, and, and you know, and I'm not. I am. I guess I am plugging my Instagram account, but I'm not. You know, like that's I can yeah. realize that that Instagram account is the most famous account in the world, or if I was the only one that followed it, you know, like mm-hmm. I that for me is a must. Yeah, and that, that, that's even one of the other poems that I wrote. The other poems is. Uh, I think it's called poetry. And it's like, I do not write poetry. Poetry mm. finds me. Yes. Like, like it's, so it's cool. not something I can or can't do. It's yeah. I, like, it comes out of me out of, it's mm-hmm. not voluntary. It's yeah. It's like when you, uh, well, since I've been listening to what's going on inside, mm. poetry is just there. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's in there and everybody personally, I believe mm-hmm. there is artists in any Mm-hmm. in any form or fashion in every single person that's how i believe we're designed yeah and if we if we listen we'll we'll we'll, we'll hear the you know as uh, i think it's henry allen that says the inward music you know mm-hmm. that that inward song that that is like whoa like there's some beauty in some of this stuff yeah so, so beautiful oh mm-hmm. freaking love it i love <laughs> it and stuff. it's i mean it just feels i mean this is so connected to connecting to yourself, your true voice, your expression of yourself, especially I love that it's a lot of people are trying to get famous on social media. Whereas you were like, I just need an outlet for me. And it was private. <laughs> and then you're like, right. actually my next brave thing might be exposing that <laughs> and putting it in public. And I love the vulnerability yeah. and authenticity in that. Um, mm-hmm. Cause you can feel in the accounts that where they're trying to scream for attention and then you can 100%. like your whenever you post something, I it makes me like slow down and stop, pause, and ponder. What you're, <laughs> so you can tell mm-hmm. that that is. Connected. Thank you for that. 
Yes. That means a lot. Keep doing it. It's so (laughs) good. It's so powerful. And yeah, just to finish up, I mean, the podcast called The Next Brave Thing. And I'd Mm -hmm. love you to tell like what, why, why is bravery so important? What's the payoff to living a brave life? I think because it re you find out first off who you really are Mm -hmm. and you expand what you're capable of. Yes. If you don't take a risk, you want, if you don't, if you don't find bravery, because everyone has it, if you don't find it, then you'll be like you are. And and if if that's what you're happy with, go for it. I haven't met many people that are happy. Like everyone's trying to like, you know, level up or, yeah. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but I think that there's this natural thing in us that wants to go, I want to know who I am, what this life is all about. I want to be the best and most in the, I want to hold the most weight that I'm actually can. I want to see where those limits are. Mm. There's something in us that wants to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think bravery is the, it's this weird, ironic tool, which is like, okay, mm. then go after what you're scared of. Because mm-hmm. that's why you live in this, in the limits you are now is because fear has kept you there. Yeah. So that sounds kind of cliche, but I think yeah. that's, it's, it's true though. It's so true. So it's true. Like, mm-hmm. You partner with bravery, mm. you're going to have to face your fears, but you know, it's this great thing. It's like, I wrote, you know, I, I guess I will say another one of my poems, there, there's another one that talks about, uh, it, it references another poem and it's like you who crave the vast and endless sea there's a truth from the shore or from the harbor that you cannot see and that's that waves are invitations to be the sailor that you always long to be and essentially what the poem means is the things that you're scared of are meant for you yeah they were they are put here on this earth for you mm. to be what you desperately long to be mm-hmm a lot of times we look at these things that come against us as mm-hmm. hindrances or handicaps. And I guess in a way they are, but the truth is mm. if we change our perspective and align ourselves correctly with ourselves and spiritually and emotionally and all that stuff, mm. that perhaps maybe those things hold what we, the actual thing we need, the thing we've been yeah. looking for. So it's, it's this great irony. Okay. I mean, it's, and you, you actually see that in a lot of like story and, yes. um, you know, but yeah. anyway, that's, yeah. that's, that's what I think. Yeah. I love that. So your movie comes out June 10th, the walk, everyone, June 10th. June 10th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and people can find you on Instagram at outlaw poetry or at Matthew blade, right? Yeah. I'd, I'd be um, Matthew blade. Yeah. Be Matthew blade. Yeah. And um. Now you've done this movie, it's, you know, and you get to celebrate it at the premiere soon. Um, mm-hmm. What is your next brave thing? Like, yes, what is, Ooh. what? Hit me with it. <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, you don't have to share the deepest vulnerable, most brave thing, but what does, like, yeah. I'm going to, even if it's small, I think the small ones are sometimes like the most powerful, you know? Mm-hmm. I think the next brave thing for me is to invest in the things that I've run from Mm. and I think I've finally reached a place where I'm like I'm ready to stop running from these things that I did not know were motivating me to run yeah and so I have 
moved back to where I'm from mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm still like auditioning and working as an actor and stuff like that. And still, that's still the dream. That's, that's still what I'm doing 100%. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, the next brave thing is for me to not run from the things that I thought told me that I was alone mm-hmm. and actually just stand and like take a look at them you know and be like okay is this true because that really is a real question a real question yeah. we have to ask ourselves is am I alone mm. that's what that's the great thing about when the truth comes up and that's just like mm. it's not a guarantee we could find out something that might scare us but it'll always be good the mm-hmm. truth is always better than living in a lie. I really mm-hmm. do believe that. Yeah. So, um, that's brave. Yeah. Facing the things it's, it's, I am in a, it's interesting spot that I'm in now, but, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to run anymore. Mm-hmm. So there yeah. I am. <laughs> that's really good. And what are you most, mm-hmm. what are you looking forward to the most? Mm, uh, Gosh, I don't know. Lots of things. So many things I'm like dreaming about. Like, yeah. And like acting, I want to, I want to keep acting. Who knows what could happen there? I can never book another job. I could, I could book a job. Um, I love acting so much. Um, I'm excited to spend time with some of the people I've gotten to know and I've built with down here. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm excited about some outdoor activities I have. And just dreaming of like, what, what could the future possibly hold? I, I try to give myself that, you know, like it's so important that we have dreams mm-hmm. and hopes. Like it's like mm-hmm. human and, mm-hmm. and it's vulnerable, but it's like so good. Like, yeah. So, yeah. I love Lots it. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful, big adventurous life you live. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's a ride. <laughs> it's a yeah. wild ride. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. And oh, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, cannot wait to see the movie and yeah, excited to see what's to come for you. Thank you so much. And yeah, wish all the best with you and your podcast. And yeah, thank just so honored to, to be able to, to come on. So thanks. Awesome. Thank you. And we're done. Thank you for listening today. You can follow us at the Next Brave Thing podcast on Instagram and make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you would like to book in a life consulting session with me, feel free to go to my website at www.ella-hooper.com for more information.